Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. We're going to be talking tonight on our number one core value. We've been working through our value series as a church, and we have seven of them. And tonight, we're talking about our number one core value, and that is Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. If you want to know what Pinewood is all about, Jesus is our message. Jesus has always been our message. Tonight, Jesus is our message. We sing praising Jesus and forever, for all time. If that rocket was going up into space, it has Jesus written all along the side. For all, for as long as God will keep us here, hallelujah, it's going to be all about Jesus. You know, a lot of people put emphasis on methods and how you do this and programming, and that's all well and good, but those things change. Seasons change. Those things change. Methods come and go, but our message will always be the same. It's going to always be Jesus and only Jesus. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at an incredible story of someone that had an encounter with Jesus and he left forever change. Somebody say encounter. How many know that when you have an encounter with Jesus, you leave different than the way that you came? (laughs) Jesus tends to change people. He goes on the inside and he radically changes your life. And so we're going to be talking about a person in the Bible that had an encounter with Jesus. So Benjamin Franklin was a great statesman. This is not the person we're talking about. But Benjamin Franklin, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't know. But Benjamin Franklin was a great statesman. He was a great inventor, and he was building in his fame. And he would often receive letters from famous people from all over the world. And there is one letter in particular that I'd like to read to you that I think was probably the most significant letter that ever came across his desk. It's by a preacher, a British preacher, named George Whitfield. I'd like to read what he said here. He said, I find that you grow more and more famous in the learned world, speaking to Benjamin Franklin, as you have made such progress in investigating the mysteries of electricity. Now, I humbly urge you to give diligent heed to the mystery of the new birth. It is, a mo- mo- it is a most important and interesting study, and when mastered, will richly repay you for your pains. I can imagine this sent Benjamin Franklin uh, on, a, on a quest, and it took him a little bit of a surprise. I think many of you are, are similar. You're, you have a lot of amazing things going on in your life. But I think that the most important thing you could be leaning into, especially tonight, which is what we're going to talk about, is this mystery of the new birth. The new birth. I don't believe that any of you here are by accident. There's too many people all across the country and all around the world that have been praying for this moment. So whatever brought you here, maybe you saw one of our 2,500 flyers on Pearl Street. (laughs) Because we hit it every day. Maybe you got an invite card. Maybe you saw us online. I I don't know what brought you here. But whatever it was, I do not believe it's an accident. I believe that you're here on purpose. And I believe that God wants to speak to you today. 
At Pinewood, we always like to say that everybody has a desire to know and be known. Everybody say no. And be known. Everybody has that. And everybody else has a desire to love and be loved. It's our desire at Pinewood Church to know you and to love you right where you are. I believe that there should be no place on the planet where you feel more love than the local church. I feel that there should be no place on the planet where you feel more accepted than you do in the local church. This is not a clean yourself up and come to church. This is a come just the way that you are. Dressed like you are, with the feels just like you have. If you're depressed, don't clean it up before you come into here. Come in here just the way you are. It's okay. It's okay. If you just had the best day of your life, come in here. We'll celebrate that too. We'll weep with you. We'll celebrate with you. But there is nothing like the local church. And I am really grateful and we consider an honor and privilege that you're here with us today. The story that we're going to look, be looking at in Scripture is what I believe one of the most pivotal stories in all of the Christian faith. And it's found in John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 21. We're looking at the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We're going to have it on the screen. And then we're also, we also have Bibles at our connect table. And we want you to take them. Just take them. It's okay. And if we don't have enough for you to take, let us know. We'll get you more. We'll get you what, we will get you whatever kind of Bible that you want. We love the Bible. We believe that the Bible is God's breath, that God's spoken word. We believe it's 100% in authority, that it's true from the beginning to the end, and that every page has the power to change and transform your life. Man, we love the Word of God. We believe that it is without error, that it's perfect, and it's inerrant. We believe that the Word of God meets you where you are. It says the Holy Spirit will reveal to you and illuminate to you the text. The Word is a powerful thing. We want you to have it. And guess what? You can have the Word on your phone. Hallelujah. Download. <laughs> You're like, paper? What is that? No, you can download the YouVersion app. You can download the YouVersion app, and you get it all. You get all kinds of translations of the Bible. You get devotionals. It's fantastic. So well, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles. John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. Let's read that together. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? I love Jesus' responses there. He's, How do you not know these things? And he says, truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Love this part right here. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, 
so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you for this story. We thank you for your word and how it can speak directly to where we are, Father. We ask that you are the teacher today, that you speak through me, Father. We know that where your spirit is, life change happens, and we know your spirit is here. We can feel your presence, Father. We know that where your people praise, your presence shows up. Father, we've lifted your name high, Father, and even as we approach the scripture and this word, Father, we lift your name high again and say that you are the way, that you are the truth, and you are the light. No man comes to the Father except by you, Father. So, God, we thank you for this story and the encounter that you have with this individual, Nicodemus. And, God, we ask that we uh, would not just hear this story, but, Father, that we would do what it says, that we would apply what the scripture is teaching us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nicodemus. His name is, means victor over the people. He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, a master teacher. Everything you can think of about this man, Nicodemus, was a guy who had high status. He had a lot of resources. He had a lot of wealth. And here you have this guy, and you even kind of see Jesus kind of call him in out a little bit. He's like, aren't you a teacher, and yet you don't understand this? And this guy knew a lot. I mean, he was a very respected religious leader in the area. There's not a lot written about Nicodemus. There's only three areas of Scripture that we actually see his story. And I want to kind of unpack for just a second Nicodemus' story from beginning to end. And then I really want to lean into three verses tonight. And that's the first three verses that we looked at. So let's do kind of a, a, a whole story of the process of Nicodemus found in these three stories. And the first is that we see Nicodemus seeking God at night seeking God at night. In this passage, we read that he came to Jesus and that he was searching for answers. I believe that Nicodemus was on a very authentic and sincere quest for truth from what we can see in this text. So we see, first, we see him seeking here in John 3. Next, we see him questioning. He doesn't just come with a question, but he keeps leaning in, and he leans in again, and he leans in again. And Jesus is just so patient with him as he's unpacking this truth of the new birth with Nicodemus. And it doesn't say explicitly in the text, but we notice that there's a shift that happens after this first encounter with Jesus with Nicodemus. And and I want to share a little bit what that shift is. Uh, Next, we see him standing in John 7, 25 through 44. As Jesus was preaching and teaching the temples, the chief and uh, Pharisees, they were all coming at Jesus, and Nicodemus spoke up on his behalf, and he said, does our law not judge a man without first giving him a hearing about what he's doing? See, I think Nicodemus' life life was changed and transformed in that encounter that he had with Jesus because here you see Nicodemus standing up for Jesus. Next, in John 19, you see Nicodemus show up one last time when he was burying Jesus 
after Jesus' crucifixion, he went with Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They took his body and they bound it in clothes and linens, and which this was the custom of the day, and they buried Jesus. The last two passages both speak of the time that Nicodemus met with Jesus during the night. Something happened. I think it changed the trajectory of his life. Uh, I was thinking about just this story, and I thought about this statement. It said that Nicodemus found the light in the night. Nicodemus found the light in the night. There's something attractive to the light. That he was watching Jesus perform these miracles, and he was watching Jesus love these people, and he said, man, there's something about him that I just can't help myself. I, I have to go ask some questions. We recently went camping as a church, which is awesome. We had a really good time, and there's something about the light. Whenever we first went camping and it was light outside, everybody was spread out all over the place. We had some people down by the lake, some people over in a hammock, but when it got night, where did everybody go? Campfire. But since it was Boulder and it had to rain a long time, we had to do a light, which was fine. It was cool. <laughs> it wasn't ideal. But it was awesome. But we burned this one little light, and it was amazing how everybody just came around the light. I want to ask you today, many of you are, uh, I believe that many of you are in the night searching for the light, searching for answers like Nicodemus. And you see the light over there, and you're, you're kind of leaning into it, and you're thinking, I kind of want to learn more. I want to lean in. I want to discover who this Jesus is. These miracles he's performing, surely this has to be from God. And then you hear about things like the death, burial, and resurrection. You're like, is this for real? Did this happen? Surely. If so, this has to be God. Many of you are searching for the light. I want to encourage you tonight. Lean into the light. You'll, if you're, it says at the very, very end, we said that when, if you're searching for truth, you will find the light. And that's my prayer for you tonight is that you lean. I just want to take the next few minutes, and I want to unpack those first three verses. This is what it says in verse 2. It says, this man came to Jesus by night. Now, based on the text and based on the context, I do not think that this was by chance. I don't think Nicodemus was just on a late night stroll. Oh, Jesus. Hey. So I had this question, by the way, and me and the guys were just talking about, no, I don't think that's the case at all. I think Nicodemus made a very intentional decision that he was going to approach Jesus and lean into truth. And I think that's important to mention. He wanted to be alone with Jesus. He wanted some interrupted time with him. I think that's so important. I, I mean, I think there was several other factors involved in this, but I think as he came and wanted to be alone with Jesus, I think that one of the reasons that he did that was because he was a, a ruler of the Jews. I think he was a Pharisee. And you can imagine if he's coming to Jesus with really genuine and authentic questions, he may have been thinking, you know, I don't want others to hear what I'm saying. I'm not supposed to be this vulnerable in front of Jesus. I'm not supposed to break down these walls in front of Jesus. I can't let other people see my vulnerability. But I want you to know tonight, it's okay to be real. It's okay to be vulnerable. If you have questions tonight, I just want to encourage you, it's okay to have questions. Verse 2 says, Rabbi, we know that we, emphasis on the we, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. I love how he says we, almost as, if he's the, almost as if he's the representative for the Pharisees. It's like we 
have, uh, have been talking, and we see that you're a teacher, but I love how Jesus doesn't respond to the we. He responds to the you. He says, truly I tell you. I love that Jesus, uh, Nicodemus comes like, pretending like he's a representative, but Jesus knows that he's coming as a response to what he's seen. Jesus always knows what's going on on the inside. We may speak from our head, but Jesus looks right at the heart. A.W. Tozer, he says, his heart drew him to Jesus, but he spoke with his mouth. And as I was thinking about that text, I was thinking, what, is, what does A.W. Tozer mean by that? And I kind of draw these two comparisons, is that he's, his heart drew him to Jesus. When we make decisions from the, the heart, from our emotions and our, and our passions, we see that it's a little bit reckless. It's a little bit uh, illogical, a.k.a. Uh, love. You know, it makes you do some crazy things. Am I right? It's a little illogical. And with you, when he moved into Jesus, he was very vulnerable. And it was a cause, and it caused a response. This is the way he approached him, but he spoke with his mouth. I mean, he said, we know that you're a teacher come from God. He didn't have to be in the night to say that. He could have said that in front of a lot of people, and that would have been okay. But Jesus knew what was going on in the inside. His head, he was trying to figure out these questions of who Jesus is, but it, his head was very calculated, logical, protective, and it was just filled with knowledge. But I want to encourage you tonight to approach Jesus with your heart. What's really going on on the inside? What's God calling you to? He sees it anyways, whether you speak it or not. So just let's be real as we approach the Word of God this evening. God speaks to a real and vulnerable heart, and He has the power and authority to change and transform your life and to bring clarity to very uh, mysterious spiritual things. In James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think Nicodemus was approaching with a heart of humility here, seeking God, which is why Jesus was just so patient with him, so patient and kind. A.W. Tozer, again, uh, he says, the Lord ignored his word and he spoke to his heart. I believe tonight the Lord wants to speak to your heart. Verse 3, it says this, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God is born again. I want to go back uh, real quick about the reason behind why Nicodemus might have approached Jesus at night. I think one of the reasons could have been because he didn't want any distractions. He just wanted to have a conversation. But I think there was another element to this. And I think you can see in the context that there was a little bit of fear of what other thing people might think or say about it. I mean, what are people going to think if you have like this very revered religious man who's a ruler and a keeper of the law, of this Pharisee coming and questioning Jesus, saying, really, I, I want to know who you are. Like, I want to learn. No, it, wouldn't have been, it would not have gone well for him. You see, I've had many uh, questions in my life. I know right now I'm, I'm, I'm the preacher and I'm the pastor, and so you may be thinking, like, you've just always kind of been spoon-fed this since you were a baby, which is true. My parents, uh, we had scripture going in the background, and we had those kids' songs, and, you know, I was raised by godly parents. But I was a little bit headstrong as a kid, uh, a little bit headstrong still today. Amen, Mom? Shout out, is it true? But, I mean, I didn't believe anything of what anybody said. I didn't care if it was about my faith. I didn't care if it was about cleaning my room. It was just like, oh, you know, clean my room? Show me in the Bible where I'm supposed to clean my room. It was like, I just, was just, I just bucked everything as a kid. 
And even the faith thing, I remember being a kid, and I remember reading my Bible whenever I was young, and I remember hearing what the preacher was saying from the pulpit, and I remember saying to myself, like, I don't know if that's true. I'm going to have to go look it up. But I just questioned everything. And I'm still that way today. I remember uh, every year for Christmas, my mom would even try to sneak in a little, like, apologetics devotional or, like, little Bible, like, hinting, like, yeah, if you're going to dig, dig, dig here, dig here, keep digging. I just question everything. That's why I, I love Nicodemus so much. I love his heart and his attitude, how he just keeps leaning into truth and leaning into truth and asking certain questions. He's trying to figure things out. Something that I want to tell everybody in this room tonight is that I believe that it is your responsibility to seek truth without fear of others. I don't believe that you should be afraid of what others might think if you're seeking spiritual truth. You may, you, you may be the only person you know that's seeking spiritual truth. You may be the only Christian at your workplace. You may be the only Christian at the gym that you work out at. And you may be you, up to this point. You may have been shy. You may have been not wanting to be very vocal about that. But I want to encourage you today. It's your responsibility to pursue your walk with Christ and to say, you know what? I'm going to own this. I'm going to apply Philippians in my life. I love Philippians 2, 12 through 13. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more so in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his own good pleasure. Guess what? When you approach God with your doubt, when you approach God with your anxieties, when you approach God with your questions, guess what? He's always got answers. To work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Lean into the scriptures. And I'm not asking you to do that alone. We're going to do it with you. We commit. I commit to you and we commit as a team to meet you where you are and to point you to Jesus. You know, everybody is at different places on their spiritual journey. Uh, if you are perfect in every way and you have figured this thing out, raise your hand. One hand. Hallelujah. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't raise his hand. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Bob. It's good. Thank you. You are. I know that ain't true. Ain't, no, ain't nobody perfect in this house tonight. Nobody. Ain't nobody here who ain't never lied. Ain't nobody here who ain't never sinned. Had a moment where it was all about you. Come on. There's nobody perfect in this place. There's nobody that has it all figured out. Not one. So we're not here to tell you, you know, that we're, we're perfect. Meet us on this mountaintop where we are looking down at you poor person trying to figure this out. No, no, no. I, we want to do what Jesus did and answer questions. Lean into your story. We're not afraid of the questions. We just had a series a few weeks ago titled Four Questions where we answer the four hardest questions that you could ever think of. Where do we come from? How do we gauge our morality? What's my purpose and where are we going? We address those head on. We're not afraid of these questions. We want to have this dialogue. We want to have these conversations. We want to point you back to Jesus. No matter your status, no matter your position at the foot of the cross, we're all in the same place. We're all in the same place. We're all in this journey together. We even see that with uh, Nicodemus. Here we have him of high status. He's got a great job, makes good money. Everybody knows him good esteem, a high position, and he's searching for truth. But then we also have other people in the Bible as well 
<laughs> like the story of the prodigal son found in Luke 13, 15, who was smelly, broke, homeless, disgusting in every way, had ruined his uh, father's inheritance, and to all accounts, he just blew it, man. And what does the father do? Does the father say, no, 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 clean up yourself like uh, Nicodemus a little bit, and then come back and approach him? No, 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 that's not how the father approaches him. He runs to him recklessly and unashamedly, runs to him, throws his arm around him and says, welcome home. We're going to throw a big party. It's going to be all right. Why? Because God's grace meets you where you are. And if you're a Christian here tonight, you know that because you know where you were when God's grace found you. Chains, fall, fear, bow, here, now. Jesus changes everything. And sometimes we just got to remember. Moving on, I just, I just want to share that from this text, I just want you to know that this idea of being born again changed everything about your life. Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus this really challenging mystery, as George Whitfield says, of a physical birth and a spiritual birth. And as we're talking tonight about how Jesus is our message, man, this is it. This is the thing. New birth. You're born of, unless one is born of what? The water and the spirit, he will not enter the kingdom of God. So the water, that's, that's your physical birth. That only happens once. <laughs> Nicodemus cracks me up <laughs> by his response. What? So like, we're supposed to just hop back in our mother's womb? Like, oh, I'm sure Jesus was like, oh, wow. Okay. We're going there? Okay. But this is a, a radical concept. And for many of you, this may be a radical concept as well, but there's a physical new birth and there's a spiritual new birth. And God is calling us to a spiritual new birth. The old has come, the old is done away with, and the new has come. I remember uh, whenever I accepted Christ and I prayed and I received, I put my faith, trust, and hope in Jesus Christ. Um, it's actually a really powerful moment, so it's powerful having my mom here as well. Uh, I found out later that my mom was praying for me, which uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now that if, if, if you pray to receive Christ, somebody was praying for you. If you're praying right now for someone to receive Christ, keep praying. God's going to answer that prayer. My mom was praying for me, and she told me later that she wrote down in her Bible one night, burden about Parker's salvation. The next night, I was just overcome by conviction on my life. It, was nothing, it wasn't any day that was special. It wasn't a special uh, call towards salvation. It wasn't anything like that. It was just another Thursday, I think it was. But I was just overwhelmed with the sin of my life, and I was thinking about eternity and salvation and Jesus. And I remember coming to my mom and saying, Mom, I think I need to make the decision uh, to be saved today. I want to know Jesus. So she walked me through the uh, Bible scriptures together, and we prayed. And it was a day that changed my life. And in that moment, I had a new birth. Christ forgave my sins, and I had a new trajectory. 
It was no longer Parker Manuel on the throne, but in that moment, Jesus took the throne of my life. He set his position. He changed my identity. He said, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you a child of God. You're anointed, you're appointed, and I have a purpose for your life. And I want to encourage you today about the, the new birth, that it's not about religion. I think as we say Jesus is our message, many of us, the first thing that we think of is religion and, and everything that you may have seen and everything that you know about religion. But religion is this. In short, I just want to share this with you. Religion is this. It's self-centered it's because it's based on your works. What can I do to obtain eternity? What, what can I do to obtain favor from God? What can I, 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 religion is about I, religion is about self and control. But this isn't about religion. This is about regeneration. This is about God starting something new and fresh in your life. It's renewing your heart, renewing your spirit, and bringing about revival in your life. This is Jesus-centered. It's not about what I can do, but it's about a relationship. And this is the radical shift that I want you to hear today. If there's only one thing that you hear, it's this. That God isn't just wanting you to do things for him. He wants a relationship with you. He's, he's alive. He's our living hope. He wants you to talk to him. He hears you. He answers your prayer. He wants you to sit with him. And in moments where you're hurting and when you're overwhelmed with grief, man, there's just moments where you just want to sit on his lap and let him wrap his loving, living arms around you and tell you, it's going to be okay. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's a living God. And he wants to have a relationship with you. When I ask you tonight, have you been born Again, maybe you're searching for truth, searching for answers, and searching for your purpose. And maybe you're like Nicodemus. Maybe you're afraid about what others might think, what others might say. I want to encourage you tonight. There's, there's no greater decision that you could ever make than for tonight to be the night where you say, I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. Up until this point, I have been Lord of my life. Up until this point, I've been working really, really, really hard to gain favor, to gain blessing, to gain salvation. And I want to tell you tonight, it's not about what you do, but about who you belong to. Jesus is offering you a free gift of salvation today. It's called grace. And grace is a spiritual term, is a spiritual word. But in short, it's God's unmerited favor. It's God's unconditional love just poured out onto your life. And I want to I wanna, uh, share you four truths about the scripture. The worship team can go ahead and come on up. We're going uh, to close tonight. As you know, with any good preacher, closing just means I'm getting somewhat close to, uh, <laughs> to being done. No, I'm just kidding. We're actually closing up tonight. Actually going to wrap up. But this is what I want you to see tonight. I, I can't let you leave without letting you first hear what it means to have a new birth. And there's four truths found in Scripture. The first is that uh, the problem is sin. Uh, we all have this sin 
problem. And I would say that there's probably nobody here that would say that they're perfect, like I asked earlier. I would say that every single person here would say, you know what, I have some sin in my life. I've, I've done some things where I've sinned against God. I've disobeyed what God commanded us to do. I've disobeyed his scriptures. I've, I've put myself on the throne of my life, and, and I do have sin. I'm not afraid to admit that. I would think that almost everyone would admit that, but we would just have a conversation differently about what you're doing with that sin. So uh, Romans says, for all have sinned and they fall short of the glory that is God. So God's glory is perfection. And so no matter how good we are, no matter how many good things we do, no matter how much money we donate to charities, no, no matter how much we're kind to people, we can never reach God's glory, which is perfection. So what, that creates this great chasm between us and a relationship with God. So the problem is sin. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. The, 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 number two, the penalty is death. The Bible says that the payment for our sin is, eter- is eternal separation from God. Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So we're talking now about a spiritual new birth. And the penalty for our sin is death. And you're thinking, man, this is not great news for me. But the good news is coming. Imagine that you commit a crime and you're before a judge. You know you committed the crime. You're guilty. You're like, guilty. I did it. You're owning that. And then all of a sudden, somebody steps in, and they say, hey, hold on, hold on, judge. Uh, I'm going to take, take it. Give whatever you're going to do to punish him for the crime that he knows he committed, that we all know he committed, I'm going to take that upon myself, totally. I'm going to stand in the gap, and I'm going to take his punishment. This is the good news for you. Because this is what Jesus did for you when he took the cross. Because if our result, if the wages, if the penalty of our sin is death, then we needed a perfect, holy Savior to come down and to make a way where there was no way. So that he could be the sacrifice, so that we didn't have to die, he died. Jesus, fully God, fully man, came down, lived a perfect life, and he died He took our penalty. The third thing is this. The provision is Jesus. Timothy Keller writes this. He said, the Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued and that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. Romans 5.8, but God shows his own love towards us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus went to the cross knowing your sin, knowing your sin, knowing my sin. And as he hung on the cross, taking our penalty, taking our shame, our guilt, he hung on the cross. He could have called tens of thousands, legions of angels, wiped out all humanity in a second, but he didn't. Why? Because greater love has no one than this, than he that would lay down his own life for a friend. How else would we know love without the cross? Jesus is our provision. But I love, how many of you know, he's our living hope. He did not stay dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. For I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose on the third day according to the Scriptures. 
And that he appeared. Hold on. He rose from the day. But what did he do? And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And then he appeared to over 500 other brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them who are still alive today. But some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Man, talk about all those accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Wow. It's amazing. He's alive today. Listen, this whole thing would be absolutely pointless without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We would be having no conversation today. There would be nothing to preach about. But, man, our grace, our hope, our life is found in the new birth and in the grace that God offers us. And the last thing is this. The decision is yours. Each person needs to make the decision to put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ. Faith and repentance are essential in making this decision we see in Romans. Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For John, I love verse John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is a beautiful gift. And you can receive it today by faith. What is faith? It's believing in something that you cannot see. It's putting all of your faith, all of your trust, all of who you are in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And you can do that tonight. Ephesians 2, 8-9, for by grace, for God's unmerited favor, for God's unconditional love on your life, you can be saved through faith alone. Not of works, so that no man can by growth. <laughs> no man can boast, for by grace you are saved through faith. And so tonight, I want every, every head bowed, I want every eye closed. Tonight, I have one question. There is no manipulation, there's no conversation. This is between you and God. This is your journey tonight. You have heard Nicodemus' story. You have heard how he came to God questioning the mysteries of the new birth. You've heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he came down from heaven, fully man and fully God. He lived a perfect and sinless life and how he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins and how he's offering you this free gift of salvation today. You've, you've heard the good news of the gospel today. And I want to ask you today, if you're here and you want to say, today I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life. There's not a single soul looking around. This is between you and God. I want you to put your hand. I'm going to let you see who you are on the count of three. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to put your hands up. I want to know who you are. We're not going to, we're not going to announce who you are. Nobody's looking. This, like I said, this is your responsibility to seek truth in your life. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is your journey that you're on. But if tonight you say, man, I just feel God's connection, God's conviction over my life, over my sin. Man, I am so excited about this good news. I'm going to say yes to you, Jesus, tonight. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to throw your hands up. Three. Two, one, if that's you, just throw your hand up in the air. I want to know who you are. Hallelujah. I see hands. There's hands in this room. There are angels that are singing praises tonight. 
We're going to be singing praises tonight. You can put your hand down. Nobody looking around. We're going to say a prayer tonight. This prayer does not save you. Your faith and belief in Jesus Christ is what saves you. He alone can save you. But this prayer is a declaration of your faith to say, Jesus, I'm making you Lord of your life. And church, will you join me together by saying this prayer out loud? God, I admit that I am a sinner. I have sin, and I know that I need you as my Savior. Save me of my sins and give me a new heart. I believe that you are who you say you are. You are the Lord Jesus Christ. By your grace, I am saved. And by your power, I am set free. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we praise Jesus in the house tonight? Would you stand up with me tonight and let's sing and praise Jesus tonight? Man, it is so good to remember, is it not? Man, this is a message of the gospel, but this is a message for uh, everybody in the house tonight because it's so good to remember why we're here. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be what? Added to you. We're going to seek the kingdom of God tonight. We're going to worship our Lord and Savior. We're going to sing with our voices. We're going to lift our hearts. We're going to lift our hands. Let's praise him tonight for all that he has done and for his glorious grace. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at pinewoodboulder.